The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solnus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you, we have won, and now you're no longer slaves, you're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely, so repent. Repent from all the ways you've run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you, because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel that you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more. Conversation. Uh, today, the theme is the search for good news. The search for good news. And um, I think after this last year, specifically, come on, Aren't we all looking for some good news? Every time that I open my phone, I have this, this rush of adrenaline. You know, it's like the fight or flight syndrome. Like, what am I going to open my phone to? You know, you go to the news app and it's just like horrible things left and right, you know? Like somebody calls you on the phone and what do you do? <gasps> Why are they calling me? <laughs> We're just bracing ourselves for bad news. And, and in some way, shape, or form, we almost get addicted to bad news. Um, it's actually proven. Like we get used to bad news so much so that good news doesn't just, it doesn't hit us the same as bad news does. We kind of almost embrace bad news. And there's this weird psychological thing that's happening now where if somebody doesn't have something bad happening in their life, they will create something to create something negative so they can get that rush of adrenaline and whatever else that goes on in our brains, that they could get that thing. It's, a, it's an actual thing that's taking place in our culture now. And uh, to which some of you are like, it all makes sense now, you know? You know, there's, there's people in your life that they're just full of drama all the time. They're probably addicted to drama. And they just, it's like, today was a good day. Let's see if we can't ruin it before 6 p.m., you know? <laughs> a good fight to bring it on home, right? And it's like, what's going on? Well, I think it's kind of we're addicted to bad news. And so for a lot of us, we're searching for good news, man. We're searching for something that we can sink our teeth into that is actually positive, right? We, uh, I mean, if somebody comes up and they say, I got good news and I got bad news. What do you say? I'm a bad news first person. 
Like, just, just hit me in the face with it. Like, just let me know. And then, but the thing that happens is whenever they give you the bad news, the good news is usually not as good as the bad. So it's like, oh, well, whatever. Let's continue to talk about the bad news, right? <sighs> We're horrible. It's bad. So we want positive information. We want positive information. But today, whenever I say good news, I kind of want to introduce a little bit different thought Instead of just positive news, I want you to think about good news being reliable news, like, like good actual information that you can rely on, truth, reliable news. No one wants false news. Bad info uh, is, is it's, it's really useless, but it can also be used to manipulate, right? It can be deceptive in nature. We don't want bad information. We want good information. Um, a few years ago, maybe about two and a half years ago, we, uh, we went on a Christmas trip to the Smoky Mountains, and um, it was quite an adventure. <clears throat> I say that extremely sarcastically. If it could have gone wrong, it basically went wrong on this trip, all right? It was just one of those trips. Um, we made memories. You, have you ever had a trip where you made a whole lot of memories? You know, where you just can't, you will never forget the disappointment that took place. But um, there was a lot of good things. But, but on the way up there, um, it's, I don't know, what, 10 hours, 9 hours up there, something like that. And um, we had stopped at Subway. We got lunch. And, like, immediately our daughter, she was, I guess, 6 or 7, something like that at the time. She choked on, on cheese pizza and threw up all over the table. I was like, this is going to be a good trip. I could tell already. <laughs> so a couple hours later, we're... Uh, you know, we're getting close. We're like up in the, the you know, Tennessee area, obviously. And, and I've never been there. So I'm following a good friend of mine who I'm trusting because he's been there so many times. And, you know, you live, you learn, right? And uh, so <laughs> following him. And like I had my maps up, you know, but I'm following him because he knows the shortcuts. <laughs> All right. Anytime you hear, no, I know a different way, just go ahead and say, no, I got it, man. I'm just going to go to my Google Maps. Um, but anyway, so we're driving and I'm like, I'm, I could have swore we were supposed to take an exit, like literally 15 minutes ago. I'm like, man, I don't know. I call him. I'm like, baby, man, I could have swore that we were supposed to get off that exit. He's like, no, 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 man. What we we, we pass that up, and then we go to this other one. There's a, there's an exit with a specific thing. Like, I I I got you. All right, man. Cool, cool. Well, we keep going, and I'm looking at my map, and I'm like, we have passed everything. Like, we are. Everything's gone, you know? And then all of a sudden I see a, a sign for Asheville. We are, we are not going in the right direction. So I call him back and, and, and he took this exit and they're like gone. And so meanwhile, our two-year-old, uh, at the time I think she was, no, she was probably maybe one. Uh, she had an explosive situation in her diaper. So <laughs> it, was one of those, it was one of those things where you're already frustrated about one thing and then you're like... You gotta be kidding me, man. So we pull over, we pull over at this gas station thing. And uh, so Nadine's cleaning up what's going on. And uh, so I make a phone call. I'm like, hey, bro, listen, there's no way. Like right now, you were headed to North Carolina. Like you're just, you're gone. And he's like, well, let me stop. Let me, I'll come back to you. So he comes back. Well, when he comes back, he pulls up. And uh, I look through the window, I look at him, but then I look at his wife, who has been asleep for like an hour. And at that moment, I knew, I knew. She was really the one that had the good info. He has no clue, you know? 
So we were about a half hour off course. What happened? I was trusting someone who had bad info. <laughs> bad info, and it led us on a, a really bad, in, a, in the wrong direction. Moral of the story, again, is just don't trust your friend who says, I got you, I know the shortcut. No, you don't, you don't. But anyway, Jesus comes on the scene. You're like, how is he going to tie this in? Jesus comes on the scene a couple thousand years ago, and he has a lot of information. He's bringing a lot of news. He's bringing a new way of thinking. And there's a whole lot of people who are having a lot of trouble trusting the news that he's bringing. The question was, is this man a liar? Is he a false prophet? Or is he actually who he's saying that he is? And there was a lot of confusion and a lot of doubt and a lot of unbelief because this man is bringing news, but is his news reliable? And so what happens is, as he goes forth in his life, obviously he's sharing a lot of information. People are up and down, not really sure. But when Jesus died on the cross, and whenever he was buried, there was a finality to his message. His death inva was in, uh, invalidated his news. His death for a lot of people was a proving of them being right and him being a false prophet saying, see, I told you. If he was God, that wouldn't have happened. To his disciples and his followers, they were like, I mean, they had put everything into Jesus. They put their whole life into him and he, he's dead and he's in a tomb. And, and, and for us to understand the significance of Jesus's life and his death and what he was coming to accomplish, we've got to understand the significance of the problem that was going on that has happened. And the problem goes all the way back to the beginning. A lot of you know the story of Adam and Eve and how God created everything, right? Everything is perfect and good and optimal for God's plan. And what happens is Adam and Eve sin. They disobey God. They decide that they would rather have the knowledge of good and evil rather than be obedient to God. They wanted something more. They wanted more knowledge. They wanted to just know what's on the other side of the veil that I can't see through. Like, like what's well, they found out it was sin, it was shame, it was fear, it was brokenness. And so this perfect creation that God has made is now infected with this sin problem. And so from that point, nothing worked like it was supposed to. We wonder about death. We wonder about bad things happening to good people. We wonder about all these, these questions of suffering. The main answer to all of this is that everything is broken because of sin. If you trace back every situation that you deal with in your life, you could trace it back to the brokenness in this world and the brokenness is sin. Where there was a rejection of God and, a, and an idolization of self. And so from that moment, we, need, we needed a redeemer. We needed that price, that power of sin to be broken and we needed a, a price to be paid that could break the power of sin and death. And the plan is Jesus. All of this culminates and comes to a point where it's, if Jesus is who he says that he is, if Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy in the Old Testament, if he is the promised one, that he is all, all hope. But if he's not, then he's creating a lot of false followers and a lot of people who are gonna have to really work some things out. And that's really what happens here. These people, They've given their everything to Jesus. He's, 
He's died. He's buried. Now, I want you to kind of picture what's going on in the time here because once Jesus dies and is buried, the disciples, those who, who uh, Jesus called to follow him and those people that have really, again, given their life to follow him, they are scared for their lives, right? Because they followed this person and now he's dead. And so guess what? What's to say they're not gonna come after all of the followers of Jesus? And so they've dispersed. Some are still around. Some are going back to their old, their old lives. There's a ton of confusion there's a lot of rumors. There was a lot of rumors that the disciples stole the body of Jesus, right? So that the tomb is open, right? And there's, a, or, uh, and there's, there's, there's uh, just, just lies and chaos and mixed information. The guards, they go back to the Pharisees because they weren't gonna go back to the Romans because <laughs> they might get killed. They went back to the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, hey, we're gonna pay a bunch of money. I want you to go ahead and tell this lie so that everybody thinks that Jesus' body was stolen. There's just a lot of chaos going on. And so I kind of wanna back up just a tad and I wanna pick up in John chapter 20. And this is where we're going to lean in today. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the, st the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she sees this, she runs back and she goes and sees Simon Peter and the other disciple, which is John, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, him and John, <clears throat> and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the, then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. This is one of four accounts of the resurrection of how Jesus came back from the dead, which was extremely significant. A huge moment, but even though they see the empty tomb, there's still a lot of questions. And so you see this moment where Mary remains. Now Mary, her life had been changed by Jesus. Changed by Jesus. And, and this isn't Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary Magdalene. And her life had been changed by Jesus. And you've got to put yourself in these people's place. You can't just read the scripture and then say, hey, what's, on the what's the next one? Let's go. You've got to like put yourself here. What if you were Mary? What if you were John or Peter? What, what would you be thinking and feeling? Mary stoops in to look at this empty tomb and I just can't help but think, what is she thinking? Again, her whole life, she left all of these things, followed this man called Jesus, who said he was the Messiah, who said that, that basically he was gonna change everything, that he was gonna establish this kingdom. And she was one of just a couple people left there at the cross whenever he's dying and, he's, and, he, and, he, and he dies. And there's this, there's this 
lack of hope, especially at that point. You can imagine. So she's weeping. She's looking in the tomb. And I believe she's looking in the tomb. And this tomb represents to her and the other disciples just, just massive disappointment. Massive brokenness. I mean, for us today, whenever we go to a cemetery, maybe you go visit someone that, that passed away that you love. And we go back to this place for maybe closure, maybe some answers, maybe just to be close to that person. But you can imagine she's, she's having these same thoughts, these same feelings. And for all the disciples, they're wondering, where are we going to go? Like, what are we going to do? They were experiencing massive grief. They looked to Jesus as their hope and they trusted him. And I think there was a small amount of maybe anger, frustration at broken trust, which I think is one of the, the most painful things that we experience as people is when somebody breaks our trust, right? You, you, you give them your back and they stab it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you let them into a certain place and then they abuse you. That, that broken trust, I think there was some, some of that going on. Some of these questions, man, Jesus was the, the worst manipulator that I've ever met, Mary might be thinking. Or maybe she was thinking he's just like every other man that I ran into, right? There's a, just, there's a plethora of emotions that are going on here. And I think that all of us can find ourselves at this moment at the tomb, full of disappointment. And some of you, are, you, you feel like you're at that tomb, I think now. And as we talk about searching for good news, I think you've been searching for good news for a while. And it seems like every single time that you plan something or every single time that you, you put your, your trust in something that it just breaks, it falls through. Your plans fail. Your hopes are dashed again. And then what happens is you, you start having trouble hoping in anything, right? If you're like me, um, I enter into anything with a very cynical, unfortunately, skeptical mindset right? And that comes through time and time again being hurt, right? Some of you, you've walked through that so many times that you really don't even look forward to anything. So you can connect really well with what's going on here. And I think that for us, a lot of times we're searching for something or someone reliable. For some of you today, maybe you're watching online and even what I'm talking about right here as far as it being truth, it's like it doesn't feel reliable. Maybe you've watched a whole lot of documentaries and YouTube videos on why the scriptures aren't truthful, right? And so you've got all of these doubts and these concerns about whether or not this message is even true. And honestly, at the end of the day, we're looking for something reliable. We're looking for a knowledge, for a truth, for something that we can hope in, just like the disciples. And at this moment, this is the pinnacle moment of hopelessness. And now the tomb is open, but the body of Jesus is gone, which wasn't like for us, we celebrate that. The tomb was empty. It was not positive for them. It's almost like more confusing. It's almost like what else, what other shoe is going to fall? We pick up the story in verse 12. It says, Mary saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? 
She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, now let's think about this, okay? First off, she saw two angels. Did she know that they were angels? Not sure. That, that's like a crazy moment in itself. But, but then she turns and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. The, the trial that she is in, the, the, the situation, the hopelessness has completely clouded her thinking and her vision. And she can't see the person standing right in front of her, the truth right in front of her. All of the situations around her have, have completely blinded this moment and she cannot see what's in front of her. And, and, and guys, I think that happens to us. I think whenever we walk through situations that are very tough to reconcile, our judgment gets clouded. We know the promises of God in the good times, but what about the promises of God when everything hits the fan? You see, she, she was able to trust in Jesus' promises whenever he was standing in front of her, whenever she's seeing the miracles, whenever she's seeing all that. But, but whenever she goes to this valley, now I'm, I'm not saying all this, by the way, from the standpoint that I would be any different. Believe me, I have no clue what I would be doing if I was one of these people. But we, right, 2020, here we are, we have hindsight. Hindsight is 2020. We understand the whole story. So we're like, how foolish. We do this all the time. People follow Jesus because of what they think he can provide for them. And whenever what they think he can provide for them doesn't work out in the timing, they leave him. They walk away. This is what we do still today. We don't have Jesus standing in front of us, but we do have his truth standing in front of us. And many people, they gravitate to that truth. But when everything hits the fan, it's like, I don't know if this is real. We're gonna talk about false expectations here in a moment, but that's what that looks like. Mary and many of the disciples, they had a false expectation of Jesus. And so when they, they saw him die and they saw him put in a tomb, they couldn't believe his promises because it, it, didn't, it didn't add up. But these trials, they will come in. And guys, listen, Jesus didn't hold back. He let us all know that we're gonna face really, really negative things in our life. He said, you're gonna face persecution. You're gonna face people who hate you. You're gonna face trials. I mean, if you love someone, wouldn't you give them a heads up of that kind of stuff? He did. But a lot of people, they don't like to read those scriptures. They don't like that promise of Jesus. They like the positive promise, but they don't like the negative promise. But they're all promises. He's like, hey man, I wanna give you a heads up. He had told his disciples. Y'all remember a couple of weeks ago, if you were here in the book of James, when we were talking about how uh, uh, we shared the story about when Jesus had, had told all of his disciples that he was going to die. And like the very next, next scripture, the, you know, you get the, the James and, and uh, John's mama brings them up, right? Man, Jesus, I, I don't know what you were just talking about, but can they sit on your right and left when you get in the kingdom of heaven? You know what I'm talking about? Th those moments, if they would have been paying attention, maybe they wouldn't have been so surprised Right, and, and I think sometimes, especially in America, y'all, 
like Jesus might be speaking to us. He might be telling us something really important. Like, hey man, there's some things coming up, but don't, don't fear, take courage, right? And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And then whenever 2020 hits, <clears throat> right? Where is God? Why would he allow this to take place? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. We can find ourselves in these scriptures very, very, very easily. Her vision is clouded. John 20, verse 16. Then Jesus said to her, this is an incredible moment, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus says, Mary, don't cling to me. I can imagine that she probably went and, and hugged him and, and Jesus, like, like hope restored at this moment. And he says, don't cling to me. And you could take that a couple different ways. I take it as number one, don't cling to this version of me that you're weeping about. Like the loss that you've been feeling, the reason that you are feeling such loss and confusion and all of the disciples are is because you weren't really listening to what I was saying. You were listening to what you hoped I was saying. You were hearing what you wanted to hear. You were hearing that I came to establish its earthly kingdom and that you guys are gonna be ranked up high and what I came to establish was a heavenly kingdom where the, 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 the first shall be last. And because of that, you've had false hope and false expectation. Come on, guys, let's not have false hope and false expectation on who Jesus is and what he came to do. Let's not make the same mistake that the disciples made and so many other people make all the time. Mary was clinging to this idea of who she thought Jesus was. And I think the point here is that wrong expectations lead to continued disappointment. And you could take this right here and you can apply it to a lot of things in your life. A lot of people have wrong expectations of their spouses. They think that their spouse is supposed to fulfill them in every way, shape, and form. And that's not what a spouse does. Some people think that if they can just get that new job, that then they would find their meaning and their purpose and they would be fulfilled in that. And then they get that new job and it lasts for about six months, maybe a year, and then they're right back where they, found, where they, where they were. Some people, it's politics. If we had the right laws and the right president, then everything would be good. Right? I mean, you could take this. You could, wrong expectations lead to continued disappointment. Why? Because when you put your expectation like that into something, it's going to disappoint you because it's broken. Every system that we can be a part of is broken because of sin. And sinful people run those systems. So therefore, it's broken create a new one, it'll break too. Why? Because our hope can't be found in those things. Your spouse is going to let you down. They're going to do it. I say this quite often, but I wrote a song for Nadine a few years ago, one song. She still lets me, like, it took me how long? 12 years, something to write a song. But in it, I, I said, I cannot be everything. I'll try to be just what you need, but I, I can't fulfill all those intricate things. Why? Because I truly believe that our true identity and purpose and the thing that actually truly fills us is only found in Christ. Right? 
What happens is a lot of people are searching through life looking for their Messiah in a person. The Messiah has already come. Wrong expectations leads to massive disappointment and massive hopelessness. And that's what happens to people all the time. You know, people, they, they have a false expectation of Jesus to, to help them remain like um, unscathed in this world. Like if I follow Jesus, then I won't experience sickness or disease or, or any of these things. And that leads to false hope and disappointment. And we just, we have to have our eyes wide open. But there's a moment here in verse 16 that I want to lean into for a second. It's where Jesus calls Mary's name. He calls her name, Mary. And whenever he says Mary, her eyes are open. There was a moment of revelation where the, the, the blinders, the, the cloudedness of her vision, right? It, it dissipated because Jesus spoke through the confusion. He spoke through the chaos. He spoke through the moment and called her name and she recognized him. Whenever our vision is cloudy, Whenever our emotions are ruling us, we need something to pierce through the darkness, to pierce through the confusion and bring clarity and peace. And let me tell you something, it's the name of Jesus. Whenever he, the voice of Jesus, whenever he calls your name, whenever he speaks a word to you, it could even be through another person, it could be through his scripture, but whenever you receive a word from God, Everything sort of gets organized. It doesn't mean that it's not painful. It doesn't mean that it's not so frustrating. No, the emotions may still be attached to the situation, but there is clarity. There's clarity. The word is a lamp unto our feet. It doesn't mean that like it's a, it's a giant spotlight that's shining out, you know, a mile. It's just right here in front of me. I know my next step. There's clarity in that moment. Jesus brings clarity to Mary. Clarity, but she needed a revelation. She needed her, her eyes opened by the only one who could open her eyes in that way, her spiritual eyes. It didn't come through knowledge, but it came through a revelation of Jesus as the son of God. You can imagine at this point, wasn't there a, a, a hope that entered back in, a validation of all the things that Jesus had said and all the things that Mary believed that all of a sudden it was like, Maybe he was saying the truth. <laughs> Maybe the, the, the news that he has given us is actually valid. You know, in 2 Corinthians, uh, it talks about how the God of this age has blinded the eyes of believers, blinded the eyes of all of us, and how we, we need those blinders removed so we can see truth. If you're a believer in this place, and maybe you've You've talked to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus and, and there comes a moment where you might think, how can they not believe in Jesus? Like, how can they not trust in him? Maybe you grew up with somebody who uh, you attended church with them or, you know, I grew up in church, so a lot of friends, you know, in youth group and all that good stuff. And, and there comes a lot of points where some people, they, they leave the faith or they, they walk away from God or whatever, however you want to say it. And, you know, there's those questions. It's like, like how, how are you... How are you walking through life without Jesus? Well, the God of this age blinds the eyes of unbelievers. They're blinded, you know? And that's not a, 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 um, a prideful thing. It's not coming from a place of pride. It, there's no place with spiritual pride in the kingdom of God. It's a, from a place of, of brokenness and also gratitude. 
that God would call you out of darkness and place you in light. He calls Mary's name and brings truth. Actually, the same exact day in Luke chapter 24, uh, there's a couple of people, followers of Jesus, who are, are walking down this road to Emmaus. And this man comes to them and they begin to talk about all of these deep spiritual things. And this man begins to share with them all these prophetic things and, and he's talking to them and they don't know who he is. And they're about to go their separate ways and they're like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you stay with us tonight? Let's continue the conversation. And so this man sits down with them and he prays and he breaks the bread. And when he breaks the bread, they then see that this man is Jesus. They needed a revelation. They too were looking at the man, Jesus, but they couldn't see who he was. There's a lot of you today, I think that you're trying to find Jesus. You're, you're trying to look, you're, you're having a lot of conversations, but you feel like there's this, there's this veil, there's this thing between you and God and, and you, you just can't quite understand. I wanna encourage you to begin to pray that God would reveal himself to you. I know that you're on YouTube. I know that you're looking all over the place trying to find answers. You're listening to all sorts of philosophies and all sorts of ways of, you know, looking at the world. I get it. But there comes a moment whenever you need Jesus to call you by name. And there ain't no man that can do that. So begin to seek Jesus. Don't seek a man. You're here today. You might be searching for some good news. And maybe I'm giving it to you. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you need Jesus to call you by name. Begin to seek him. We also need our eyes open and a revelation of why the resurrection matters. Why does the resurrection matter? There's a lot of people today in our world who, who want to say, actually, it, whether Jesus was resurrected or not, like, I, I think I can still believe. Or, or, or maybe there's this pseudo-Christianity, this spiritualism that's trying to kind of water down certain aspects of the word of God and, 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 and the story of Jesus. And, and this is one of the key things, is the resurrection. Was Jesus really raised from the dead? A couple years ago at Easter, we really tackled that question. Why does the resurrection matter? But I think every year we kind of need to talk about this. Why does the resurrection matter? And, and one of the the, the main scriptures that opens this up, I'd encourage you to go read all of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's talking about this. And he says, now if Christ proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? To which some of you are like, what are we talking about? You see, we believe that Christ was raised from the dead and because he was raised from the dead, death was defeated. Therefore, death has been defeated for all of us, for every person who believes in Jesus, right? So in the same way that he was resurrected, we can be resurrected as well. But if there's a resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, and this is the, this is the moment, y'all, then our preaching, what I'm doing right now, is in vain. And your faith is in vain. Without the resurrection, without the day that we're celebrating today, without the, 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 the culmination of Jesus's life, death, burial, and finally resurrection, this is all in vain. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. So here's the deal. 
if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then today I'm not giving you reliable news. I'm not giving you good news. I'm giving you some, some false, inaccurate, deceptive news. And all of this is pointless. And it's why I love, I love Paul's writings because he just goes there. Like some of you today, you might be thinking like, Ew, can you say that in the church? Like it's that, <laughs> I feel like that's crossing a line. No, 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 no. No, it's literally, we're either in this or not. Our, our faith and our hope is, is, is either that, we're either that far in, we're all in or we're not in at all. And Paul is saying that. He's either, you know, either you believe that Jesus is God, that he died and he was resurrected to new life by the power of the Holy Spirit and he was brought to new life and that then gives us hope. You either believe that or you don't. It's very important. And it's very important because a revelation of Jesus, everything that we've talked about, a revelation of Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection gives, brings purpose to this life and a promise for our eternal life. This is not just something that kind of translates just in eternity. This hope is what pulls you through those trials. This hope is what brings clarity in your heart and in your life whenever everything hits the fan. It also provides clarity in the really good times. Because as we talk about, a lot of us, we don't really struggle connecting with God or grabbing a hold of Jesus whenever we're going through a trial. We actually struggle in times of prosperity, when everything's good. That's whenever we get lulled to sleep, right? You open up your, uh, your bank app and you look and man, dude, I'm doing pretty good. I got 500 bucks. All right, yeah. <laughs> For all the younger people, yeah, you know about that, you know. <laughs> you know, 500 bucks. Got that stimmy, you know what I'm talking about. That means you spent at least $1,100 since you got it and it's not good. By the way, if you ain't been showing up to work, because you're getting your stimmies, just want to encourage you. You're gonna need, you're gonna need that job in just a few months. Keep showing up, man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Bunch of restaurant people, man. They can't find people to work, man. <laughs> anyway, so that's just another conversation. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. But whenever things are good, it's like, man, I, you kind of this self-sufficiency sort of sort of kicks in, right? Like I got this. We have to be careful in good times or bad times to remember that Jesus brings purpose to this life and a promise for our eternity. I really believe that all of us are, are eternal, meaning that whenever our heart stops beating, that our life doesn't stop. Like we don't just kind of just dissipate. We, we don't come back as a different version of ourselves, right? Like we, we're not like an energy that just translates, like, no. No, we, we, we translate into something else, yeah. But we are still, we're still alive in, in some sense. It's just what kind of life are we living? Is it, is it, is it spiritual? Are we spiritually alive or are we spiritually dead? Are we in unity with God or are we in disunity with him? Are we gonna spend that eternity in whatever it looks like and however it plays out? Are we gonna spend it in his presence or are we gonna spend, spend it eternally separated from him? 
Hebrews 12 says this, therefore, which because of all of this, which we could say that about this message, because of all of this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us. Let us run with endurance this race, this life of faith that we're in. Let us run this race with endurance, the the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on, let's run this race. But to run with endurance, to truly make it through all of these tomb experiences, to make it through all of these ups and these downs, we have to have a proper belief system, a belief system that grounds us in our faith in him. And it's because what you believe about eternity will shape the way that you live today. And what you believe, whether that's what you believe the Bible says or what you, you don't believe the Bible says, all the stuff that we're talking about. Either way, no matter where you find yourself, what you believe, what your faith is in, all of you have faith and you're placing that faith in something. What you believe about eternity shapes the way that you live today. It's gonna shape the decisions that you make this afternoon. It's gonna shape the decisions that you make in the next month. It's the, the, I want you to think right now about the biggest decision that's in your life right now, right now. What's that that crossroads decision that you're having to make. Yet what you believe about eternity, what you believe about all the things that we've talked about here today, yet it informs how you make that decision. And all of us in this place, all of us watching online right now, we've, we've all got those cross experiences right now. We've all got those fork in the road experiences and questions and and we need answers and we want them. And that's why so many of us are searching for some news. We're searching for some good info. We want something reliable. Some of you, you read the Bible just like you read the news. Completely skeptical. (laughs) With no trust. Today, I hope that you can have a revelation of who Jesus is and he can speak into your life and bring clarity through the confusion. I wanna pray for all of us right here, right now. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Father, to bring clarity in our lives. All of us, God, we're searching for, we're searching for good news. We're searching for something reliable. And God, we've heard so many things Especially in this time that we live, God, we we have access to so many different trains of thoughts. And God, we are inundated with different perspectives and opinions. And God, right now, we we just put all that aside. And God, we ask that in this moment that you would bring clarity. Lord, I'm praying for every person in this room right now where they are they're going through a time of confusion. God, I'm praying that right now by your spirit that you would call them by name. God, that you would reveal yourself to them just like you've done so so many before. 
If you're in this place today or, or again watching online and, and you know that you're far from God, you know that you haven't truly been all in with God, that, that this faith journey is something that you kind of tap into from time to time. I mean, it, it's Easter and a lot of us have come here for a lot of different reasons. Some of you, it's just mama told you, get dressed, we're going to church today. Whatever brought you to church, whatever's causing you to, 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 to watch or listen, just for a moment, say, God, are you calling my name? And if you feel like he's drawing you today, we're not gonna do anything weird or embarrass you. But if you're here today and you know that you're far from God, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do something very simple. It's really, it's not for me. This is for you, this is between you and God. But I wanna pray with you. Everybody's eyes are closed, everybody's heads are bowed. If you're in this place, I wanna pray with you. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. If you're far from God, if you know that you're not saved, you're not born again, you, you haven't put your faith in him, would you just raise your hand? Come all across the room. Today, you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're far from God. You've, you've been walking this thing out for quite a while, but you've just wandered away. And today, you wanna, you wanna recommit your life to Jesus. Is there anybody here today? Yeah. Come on, we're gonna pray a prayer. If you're far from him, I want you to agree with this prayer. There's not some sort of power in this prayer from me saying it. I'm just a man. The change comes from you. And you confessing your, your faults and your sin to Jesus. And he is faithful and just to forgive you. He came and he died for you. Just say, Jesus, I humble myself before you right now. God, all, all my successes, all my failures, I lay them at your feet. And God, I pray that today you would redeem me. Lord, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and my shame, for my fear. And today I choose to follow you. Take my life and use it for your glory. Use me for your kingdom. I'm all in, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, look, if you pray that prayer today, maybe you're online, you pray that prayer. I wanna invite you to connect today. We, we really believe that whenever you make a decision to follow Jesus, recommit your life to him, it's sort of like the gun going off in the race, like it just started, you know what I'm talking about? And as it just starts, you need a support system. God did not call us out of darkness and place us into light to do this by ourselves. We truly believe that we are a family. We're the family of believers. And so, so we're gonna have some instructions for you later on in this service, but, but there is a connection card, a next steps card right there in the seat pocket in front of you. And uh, towards the end of the service, Scott's gonna come give you some, some information on what to do with that card. But I wanna encourage you to fill that out. We'd love to contact you this week and help you take some next steps. But today I believe all of us have some next steps to take. Come on, as we're searching for good news, and we want to search for reliable news, truth. And the truth is found in Jesus. This is the whole point of today, right? And so we're going to continue to celebrate. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And I want to sing the end of this song one more time together. And I believe in light of what we've just talked about, that this song is going to have a little bit extra meaning for all of us. And so I want to encourage you to lift your voice loud and let's celebrate Jesus. Amen. Come on, Northwood Church. Can we celebrate Jesus one more time?
This Easter Sunday, can y'all give it up for Jesus one more time? Man. Well, my name is Scott. I get the joy and the pleasure of being a part of the team. And we are so excited that you are here with us here on Easter Sunday. Whether you're here because mama told you to come, whether you're here because this is you're, you're in town visiting family, or if you're just part of the family here at Northwood Church, we're glad you're a part of it. And glad you are here with us in this auditorium as well as online. Pastor Jordan just preached an amazing message of hope and our need of a Savior. And he referenced that next step card. And I want to encourage you again. If you just said, listen, I've decided to follow Jesus Christ today. If you've made that decision for Christ, whether you're here in this auditorium or if you're online as well, you can go to northwood.church forward slash next steps. Or you can reach in that seat pocket in front of you. Take this next steps card out. Fill it out. We want to be able to just connect with you. We just want to help answer any questions you may have. We want to help just seal that with you because this, this is a big decision, guys. Huge, life-changing decision. And we just want to partner with you and make sure that you are, you're good, that you're, you know everything you need to know, that you're connected with us, and we help you grow in this process. As well as Easter is a, is a beautiful time. It's a beautiful season. But some of you in this room, you may be hurting. You may be hurting. There may be some things going on in your life that is, you're struggling with. We want you to know that we're here to partner with you and pray with you. And if you're here in this auditorium, all along the front of this altar here, when we dismiss, there will be some prayer team here. They want to take a moment and pray with you. They want to agree with you in your prayer and just partner with you in what you're believing God for. You can do that online as well, and you can do that in this Next Steps card. You can fill that out. You can drop that off there in the back of the Next Steps area there as well. A couple of announcements for you real quick. As always, if you're a member here of Northwood Church, there's two ways to give. You can give online, northwood.church forward slash giving, or you can also mail that in. In giving, we always want to be transparent with what we do here. We have get to partner with a lot of great people because of your giving. This, this week, we want to just celebrate and highlight our, our partnership with ARC, the Association of Relational Churches. They're here to bring uh, support and hope and encouragement for life-giving churches. And in the middle of a, a weird, odd year, uh, this past March, just, just March, just this past month, nine new churches have been started all around the world because of giving of faithful people like yourself. That's something to be celebrated about. That's some beautiful stuff. Just in the middle of all this stuff, nine new life-giving churches have been started. Next thing for you, First Wednesdays. How many of you guys are ready for First Wednesday? Beautiful time to gather together. And it's just something different. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, Wednesdays were that night. It was just something in the middle of the night. It was something different. We gathered together at church. First Wednesdays, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock is that time. Do we get together? And we just get a chance to worship together and hear a word together again in that area. How many of you grew up in church and you had that homecoming dinner on the grounds kind of thing? Yeah? Y'all had that time where you had that lady that brought that cream corn that you wanted to get some of that cream corn? And you kind of slipped out from behind it, and you go get that thing first, or that fried chicken or something that mama didn't make or let you have. Well, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> but in two weeks on April 18th, we're going to have a food truck right here for you guys. And it's going to be a beautiful time for you to gather together with your family, have some time here. You can go to northwood.church forward slash food truck. You can see all about it. If you don't want to do the food truck thing, that's okay. Bring your own dish and you guys sit on the back of your tailgate together and you eat that cream corn and fried chicken. That's okay. 
but we want to provide a time that we get together as family and just gather together. So it's going to be a beautiful time then, and today is going to be a beautiful day. Again, we're so glad you're here. Hope you guys have a wonderful and happy Easter. We love you guys. We'll see you this Wednesday.